If you would, please turn your Bibles tonight with me to the book of, of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter number four. If you would, please, I'd like for you to turn there with me. And uh, I, uh, I found something a little, go, a little while ago I'd just like to share with you before I read the scripture tonight. I watched them tear a building down, a band of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung the beam and the side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled and the men you'd hired if they were able to build? He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed, common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. And I thought to myself as I went on my way, which of these rules have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by the rule and square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks the town, content with the labor of tearing down? I want to talk to you tonight out of the book of Acts chapter 4. And I'd like to talk to you tonight out of verse 36 and verse 37 in reference to a man by the name of Joseph. Better known in your King James Bible as Joseph. You probably don't know the man by that name. You probably would not recognize the man if I called him Joseph to you. But you might recognize him if I called him Barnabas. The Bible says in verse 36, and Joseph, or a better interpretation would be Joe, not a better interpretation, but another way of saying his name was Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas which has been interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Our Father, tonight, for just a little while, help us tonight to get a clear picture of this man called Barnabas, whom the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which really meant encourager, exhorter. So I pray tonight, maybe each of us can get a glimpse of this man, whom I believe to be an unsung hero in the New Testament. I pray you're blessed now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you think about Barnabas, you, you see him quite often in the Word of God, but you never seen him referred to as his given name. Many times when someone gives a nickname, it really depicts and talks about the character of the individual. You know, when I was born, my mom and dad had no idea what kind of character or the lack thereof I might have. 
They named me Gene. After a while, they began to call me genius and beautiful and radiant and liar. <laughs> when they named me, my wife, mom and dad probably did not even know the definition, the meaning of my name, which means well-born. My last name, Wolfenbarger, means son of the wolf. So I'm a well-born son of the wolf. I've been called a son of a lot of things, but never the son of wolf. <laughs> and may I say recently. <laughs> but my mom and dad had no idea of what character, attitude, personality that I might have. And that's the way it is with many of us tonight. But most of the time when someone gives you a nickname, it depicts character traits, attributes that you've developed over the, over the time. The disciples decided the best name they could give Joseph would be Barnabas, the son of consolation an encourager, an exhorter. And I think this is the kind of friends we all need, is someone who is not busy tearing down, Amen. but someone who is trying to build up. Amen. Uh, it, uh, it troubles me when I hear a husband and a wife tearing each other down, whether it's to each other's face or to a friend. I just think the kind of friends we need are the kind of people that Barnabas was. And I think we need to take a look in the Word of God tonight. Our buddies and friends should make us better, not worse. When someone comes to me and tells me that they're initiating a relationship, uh, young people, uh, male and female, and they ask me, well, what do you think about a certain individual? My, re my response always, if they make you better, it's probably a good idea. But if a person makes you worse, then that is not a good idea. I think with all of my heart tonight that we need the kind of friends that will make us better, that will encourage us and encourage us in the right direction. Uh, the wrong kind of friends can result in some really bad behavior, downfall, and disappointments. Years ago when I was preaching youth camps, and I, I used to like to preach youth camps uh, until they threatened to whip me and two or three of them. And then I, I decided I heard the Lord calling me into the pastorate. But uh, I, I used to preach a message. I, 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 I preached years ago entitled, Ammon Had a Friend. Now, I don't know if any of the young people remember me preaching that message on Ammon Had a Friend. And because of Ammon's friend and the advice of Ammon's friend, Ammon made the wrong choices in life. Yep. You remember that? Yes, and he raped his sister. Resulted in his own death by his brother Absalom. Dysfunctional family, dysfunctional uh, spiritually. And he had the wrong friends and the wrong friends influenced him in the wrong way. Yep. And that's the reason I picked my children's Friends, they don't. 
You say, how did it work? Well, all of them but six did well. Now, Mandy didn't marry too well. But, you know, you got to take them as they come. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you parents who have young children, you ought not to be neglect in choosing your children's friends. They don't know what kind of friends they need. And you say, well, some of them 16. Yeah, but they're still sucking their thumb at 16. They need help. And so we need to be careful with our friends. Is that not so? So Ammon had a friend that got him in trouble. You know, if you look around the New Testament church, you'll find all kinds of faces. You'll see worried faces. A fellow quit coming to our church one time because he said I was preaching to his face. I've, I've had them all, you know. Preacher, I'm leaving. You're preaching in my face. I said, well, would you like to expose another part of your Bible? I'll preach to that if you'd like me to. said, you're just preaching to faces. Hey, look, you know what your face is? It's a reflection of what's in your heart. Did you know that when Stephen got full of the Holy Spirit of God, it affected his face. The Bible says his face shined like an angel's face. And tonight, if I'm looking at a worried face, I know there's a worried heart to some problems and areas in the life. So if you look at these faces over and over again, you'll see sad faces, confused faces, and all kinds of faces. You'll see betrayed faces and so forth and so on. And you know, a lot of times your faith, face really, really, really gives you away. Years ago, when you're talking about ugly faces, it reminds me of a school teacher who found one of the students always making faces at each other. Did you ever see them little kids in class making a face at one another? Teacher looked at her and said, now, Johnny, when I was a child, I was told if I made faces, ugly faces, it would freeze my face and my face would be ugly all my life. Johnny said, well, you can't say you wasn't warned. Faces gives us away every time. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Mad faces, so forth and so on. And so, but I, you know, uh, faces reflect the heart and the heart reveals the person. I dare say Barnabas' face must have been a, a continual encouragement by looking and by just a smile on the face, uh, uh, the countenance on the face. And uh, I believe we all need to become a biblical Barnabas. Someone who is not tearing down, but someone who is always building up and encouraging. Amen. Boy, I tell you, if I want, I can find fault in everybody. I can find fault when there's none there. I mean, I can work real good at doing that. Folks are always finding fault with me. And, and I just tell them, if you want, I can save you a lot of time. Come to the office and I'll just write down some things for you. And you won't have to uh, mealy mouth around and find anything. Uh, my wife, she, she knows plenty of my faults. One of my faults is, is I don't have a whole lot of faults. <laughs> That's terrible when you're perfect and trying to live with a woman who's uh, not already there yet, you know. Uh, 
Hey, let's you and I tonight take a look at the Word of God and take a look at the Bible. And maybe, it, it, maybe we could mimic just a little bit. Maybe we may not go all the way. We may not be able to go 100% and be 100% Barnabas. But I think by the grace of God, we could get a little closer tonight if we'll just take a look at the Bible and see what, what kind of person that the disciples would choose to call an encourager. Now, Brother Pickett, he's an encourager. He really is. He, he encourages me every day to fire him. Now, I walk by his office, and he, he's either speaking in tongues or snoring. I have no idea which one it is. Because he sits down in that chair so low and gets in front of him. He's got more computer screens than I got kundos. And I got pens full of kundos. And he's got computer screens on the, in the, on the back of him, in front of him, all over and I walk by and all you can see is his head down below the top of that chair. And, and some real unusual sounds coming out of the office. Really, really. He encouraged me. Being serious. All these many years, I never heard him say a discouraging thing. 25, 26, 27 years we've been working together. I never heard him speak down. Never heard him speak ill. Never heard him... Speaking any other way except, well, preacher, at least they're better than you are. <laughs> Always speaking kind to folk. <laughs> Brother Pickett is an encourager. And I'm glad he is an encourager. We need some of those around, don't you think? And I, I think maybe I'd just like to talk to you tonight about how to be a Barnabas. Just, just how to be a Barnabas. Not a fundamental, independent Ain't never chewed nary a plug of tobacco. Never spit in the woods. Never had a drink. My halo is as pretty and shine as you can be. Never done anything wrong kind of Baptist. But just be a down-to-earth encourager. Amen. Amen. Notice, first of all, Barnabas was not afraid to sacrifice for others. Notice in verse... 36 and 37. Now, I really don't know about you, but I'm kind of questioning why a Levite had some property. Now, I know it may not bother you any, but a Levite wasn't supposed to own land. And old Barnabas (laughs) is a land tycoon. Didn't say he was strictly honest. I'm just saying he was an encourager. And the Bible said, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He believed with all of his heart that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I think if you're going to be an encouraging. If you're going to be an encourager, you're going to have to be also a generous individual. And you're going to have to believe the Bible and start practicing what the Bible says. Amen. The Bible said, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together and running over shall men give to your bosom. He gave because he cared for people. He gave out of a heart of love. He gave sacrificially. And I tell you, it's just a good idea. If you want to be an encourager, every once in a while reach in your wallet and just give somebody something. 
I mean, just give somebody something. Even if you can't afford it, give it. Even if you ain't got it, borrow from Jim, then give it. And tell Jim you did that and you're not going to pay him back because now you and Jim both are going to be happier than ever you have been before. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Is that not so? And I love to give. I honestly do. I love to give. I love to see the expression on somebody's face when they realize that everybody in the world is not a tightwad. That everybody in the world is not counting the, uh, the pennies uh, and they don't squeeze a nickel till the buffalo grunts. I just believe if you want to encourage somebody, just reach in your pocketbook every once in a while and lay one on them. I'm not talking about a dollar. Dear Lord, give them a hundred. You say, really? Yeah. How long's it been? Now we're fixing to get down to where we live here. How long's it been since you reached in your wallet and give anybody anything? Don't raise your hand. I mean, just with nothing expected. Man, I've been out to eat with some of you folks. You can outfumble anybody in the world. I mean, some of you folk can pick up the ticket and throw it in my shirt pocket before I get through eating. Now, I'm not saying you're tight. You're just stingy. And I want you to know, it encourages me that you've been practicing that much, that you can throw that ticket across the table and land in my shirt pocket. That is an encouragement to me. But Barnabas wasn't that way. Now, Brother Jim, he's very, very, he's very generous. He'd been carrying the same 20 in his wallet for 26 years. Everywhere we go. He's always grabbing that 20. But he's not as quick as Billy the Kid was on the draw. He's a little slower than Billy was. I'm just kidding you, Jim. You know I am. You got it on you tonight? Okay, I'm figured it out. Hey, does it encourage you when you see somebody that wants to be a blessed to somebody else. To encourage somebody else along the way. I'll tell you, I, I have, I've made up my mind. And I, I'm going to tell my wife to do this because I can't count this high. But I, I, told, I, I don't like to say this. All the kids, all the kids that's younger than 10 years of age, put your hand, put your finger in your ears. Hold you, Josh. Oh, I should have known you was grown up. Everybody 10 years and younger, put your ear, finger in your ears right now. Amen. Guy from North Carolina is obedient. But you ain't got him in years. You're trying to fool me. I see that right now. <laughs> okay, all you kids, younger 10 years of age, put your finger in your ears. I'm going to tell my wife to just give me, make sure I've got enough $1 bills wrapped up. So when I walk by... Your kids, 
And they tell me they're having a birthday. I'm not going to give them anything. They're just going to tell me that. I love to see the kids. When they tell me I have a birthday today. How old are you, John? 43. I'm ready. Good luck. You got that many ones? (laughs) I ain't got that many pennies. But I love to see the kids. When they tell me I, I had a birthday. I had a tooth fall out. I love to see their face when I give them a dollar for each year. You say, preacher, that don't make any, that don't make any, that don't make any difference. I received a phone call today, or this week, from a church in Hillsborough, Ohio. I began preaching revival meetings in that church in 1978, 79. Preacher had four beautiful little kids. Every time I go to the church, I always took the kids' money. I always give them. It wasn't a lot of money. Just gave them money. Just told them. Just showed them love. Showed them love. The other day, the youngest now is married. His wife is dying of cancer. In the 30s. The preacher called me the other day and said, Preacher, I want to thank you. Make an eternal impression on my kids. Stephen dreamed last night about you and that little amount of money you used to give them every time you come by. It don't cost you much to be an encourager. But if you want to do what God wants you to do, you don't have to worry about the cost anyhow. That's right, preacher. Barnabas loved people and he sacrificed for them. Anybody say amen? amen. And you know, I, I just think we could all be a little bit better Barnabases than we are. Amen. No, I, I just, I'm kind of leery if somebody's always on the take. Uh, always on the take, not willing to give. You need to learn something. It's more blessed to give Amen. than to receive. Amen. Well, if I'd like to leave one picture of my kids, if, if I could just leave one picture to my kids, it says, Daddy was generous. Amen. And Daddy loved others. And daddy was willing to sacrifice. I think one of the unsung heroes in all the Bible was Barnabas. Who the apostles nicknamed encourager. Well, amen. Did you say they won, John, really? Did they really win? Yes, sir. Just wondering. Not only was he sacrificial, if you look in chapter 9, verse 26 through 27, you'll find also that he looked for good in others. Chapter 9 of your Bible, and I'd like to read for you verse 26 
And the Bible said, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself unto the disciples. Let me ask you something. How would you like to have been the one who discipled the Apostle Paul? How would you like to have had just a dab of influence in the greatest Christian, greatest soul winner, greatest missionary ever to grace the earth? You know who did? It's that fella who believed in sacrifice. Let's read on. And the Bible says... And they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Usually the negative outshines the positive and most of us judge the person in regards to the negatives. Now I'll tell you, if that would have been me, and I heard the apostle Paul was in town, but his name wasn't Paul yet, it was Saul. And that with with the venom he used to uh, incarcerate Christians and throw them into prison and stand by and watch them stone Stephen to death. When I think about the venom and the negatives it would be for me to encourage somebody like that, I think maybe I'd wait a while, but not Barnabas. Barnabas wasn't looking for the negatives in the apostle Paul. He was not looking for the bad. He was not looking for the bad he had done. He was looking at the potential and the good that he could do. You just think about that tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Just think about Barnabas does not come in bunches, buddy. They just don't, are not like grapes hanging on a tree, just in great big bunches. Most of the time, the people we run into is everything but a Barnabas. Oh, I remember when you did this, or I remember when you did that. And I remember when uh, uh, you, you, you said this. And I remember, I'm a, you know, what we need to do is quit remembering and start looking for possibilities in people. Is that not so? Notice, if you would please, uh, he uh, Barnabas does not uh, uh, does not condemn, but he pushes us and and propels us and and uh, motivates us. Uh, I just believe with all of my heart, we need some more Barnabases in our church and around the country. How about you? Someone, Andrew Carnegie, said, "No man can become rich without himself enriching in others." Now, have you ever thought about that? You cannot become rich without you, in the meantime, enrich others. He went to live by the philosophy as evidenced by the 43 millionaires he had working for him. Not only was Andrew Carnegie rich, but he enabled others around him to become rich. Mr. Carney replied, you develop people in the same way you mine for gold. When you mine for gold, you must literally move tons of dirt to find a single ounce of gold. However, you do not look for the dirt. You look for the gold. Too bad. We look for the dirt. 
and not the goal. Amen. Barnabas looked for the goal and not the dirt. You remember Paul Harvey was one of the most famous news people in all of my life. He's better than Harry Reasoner and all them other monkeys on television. But he was famous not because he looked for the dirt. Paul Harvey not only looked and reported the bad, he reported the good. If you remember that, he could go out into the world each day and look for bad things to report, but he was found out that people appreciate him looking for the good things to report as well. I think tonight, if you and I were honest with one another, we probably need to change our philosophy of mining in life and quit majoring on the dirt and started looking for the gold. When my wife and I began to date, I really had a problem. I didn't know how saved people dated. How to save people date? My wife and I were both saved. But I had never dated being saved. When I dated, I was lost. Now I know how lost people date. They look for... Let's go on. And so my wife and I, we had a dilemma when we began to date. And I wanted to do at least one thing in my life right. And I determined that when my wife and I were dating, we were going to do it right. That wasn't Her choice, although it was her choice, but that was my choice. I was going to treat her with respect and honor and dignity. So I made her ride in the back of the pickup truck when we went down to Denny's. The only place we... You want to borrow my truck, Brother Marshall? We'll see if that'll work. She and I never was in public or never any place that we could not be visibly seen at all times. My choice. When we dated, it was at Denny's. I drank so much coffee I did not like. Coffee tastes terrible. But I thought since I was going to be a Barnabas, I'd be sacrificial. (laughs) And for hours, we sat in front of a large window. Her on one side, me on the other side. To protect her testimony. Her dignity. Her honor. 
I had to knock her off of me, keep her from kissing me. But I just, I said, honey, woman, refrain. But I managed to take care of it. You know, if you're going to be a Christ-like Christian, we're going to have to start putting others before us. We're going to have to look at others' testimony and the others' well-being. And my wife and I, for hours, would sit there and just talk. And try to encourage and build one another up. Because what we'd been through had been very devastating. And each of us was less probably emotionally than a human being has ever been. And so instead of pawing and slobbering all over one another, we encouraged, built up. And became close friends. Got married but not even love each other. Nothing has changed. <laughs> That's not true. But when we got married, we, we were best of friends. I realized that she would be good for me and the ministry. She realized I'd be good for nothing. And if she ever made anything out of me, God would sure be pleased. And she's accomplished. You're going to have to start caring for others. Much more than you care for yourself. If you ever want to be a Barnabas. And I think Barnabas is one of the unsung heroes in the word of God. Because he was sacrificial and because he loved others. And secondly, thirdly, he was encouraging to others. You notice in verse 25 and 26, when Saul had returned from preaching, all the disciples knew was he's the one that was incarcerating folks. He was the one who had orders to throw folks in jail. He was very vehement. He was angry. He was very, very, very mad and wrathful to the Christians. And everybody was afraid of him. And so when he returned to Jerusalem, saved a changed man, the church at Jerusalem did not know that. And they were afraid of him. They refused to receive him. And Barnabas. Yep. Oh, Barnabas. He said, Paul, let me introduce you. And he saw the good in Paul, who was then called Saul. And because he was not looking for the bad, he was looking for the good. And when Saul had been turned away at the church at Jerusalem, 
It was Barnabas who came and introduced him to Peter and James and got to see, got to, got to hear it. Concerned about others. I, I like that. And he encouraged Paul. He sought him and he brought him and he taught him. Aren't you glad of that? He sought him and he brought him and he taught him. Verse 27. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. And they had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus you see, I, I really think Barnabas didn't keep a tatty sheet on how much everybody owed him. Uh, I was late the other day at an appointment. I think while uh, the folk from North Carolina was in town, we went to eat catfish. Is that right? And I was late. I was supposed to pick my wife up at a certain time. And I told her I, I was late. And I had to, had to meet him in Arlington. And my wife, very sacrificially, she said, Oh, that's okay, darling. Don't worry about it. I'll drive. You say, Preacher, why were you late? I was getting a fellow out of jail. He called and said, you're the only man in the world I know, the only friend in the world I have. And deep in me, I said, you don't know it, but I'm not your friend. But $536 later, and a trip to Dallas to get his car out of Hawk, fighting the traffic back, Trying to get back for an appointment I have with a church member. You say, why do you do that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. You say, well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's, that's your business. Barnabas would. Barnabas didn't mind sacrificing somebody You say, preacher, why'd you do that? <laughs> you better hope I don't quit it. Some of you might get in jail. <laughs> he sought him. He brought him. He taught him. You know why? Because he was looking for the good. And he was not only looking for the good, he was willing to sacrifice. Not only was he willing to sacrifice, he needed a little encouragement. Do you ever need any encouraging? Yes, sir. Boy, I do. I'll tell you. And Barnabas didn't do it for recognition. He did do it uh, to show favoritism. He didn't expect a return. You know why he did? He just did it because that was just what y'all do. Now, some of you feeling real sacrificial. My yard needs mowed. If you know how to change oil in a John Deere tractor, I got one of them too. Do you think maybe 
Our church would be better off if we had a lot more Barnabases in it. Hmm? Wasn't willing about the cost. Wasn't worried about expenditure of time. Wasn't worried about a schedule. But learned to love people and encourage people. Sacrifice for people. Not only that, I close with he was an encouragement to others. He influenced others. Uh, How do you want your life to influence other folk? Wouldn't it be something, and I know it'd be a stretch, but they say, Brother Wilmar's a great preacher. I know that'd be a stretch. But he's a tight one. I've never seen him give anybody anything. I can't hardly understand how a person could have the nature of God and be saved and forgiven so very much and have the very nature of God and be a tight one, stingy, selfish, can only see what they want when they want it. I, I just think maybe... This ain't a whole lot of preaching, but it's a whole lot of good teaching. Amen. 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 I want to be an influence, especially to my kids. I've got six good kids. All of them ain't Baptist. I fail there miserably. But I got... Three out of six, that's pretty good. They all say, love God, serve God. But they're good kids. We got three preachers in the family. And then there's David. David said, somebody's got to get rich so he can support you deadbeat preachers in the family. Well, he got rich, but I ain't seen him handing any dough this way. I'm going to have to remind him of that. Amen? I want to be an influence in a positive way that say to my children, it's fun Serving God. Now I want my kids to say. Hey. It's worth. All sacrifice. To honor God with my life. I want to influence my kids. In that direction. Does anybody here. Agree with that at all. I I don't want my life. To make my kids mad at God. I do not want my life to make my kids angry with the local New Testament Baptist church. I don't want that. I want my kids to be influenced to serve and honor God in the only institution he started to evangelize the world. And that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we need some more Barnabases in our church. And in Acts chapter 11 and verse 25 and 26, the Bible says, 
Then departed Barnabas. After the church at Antioch was started, after those that were scared abroad because of the persecution of Stephen, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel, some went as far as Antioch and began to preach the gospel and a great response and people began to get saved and a church was organized. Word got back to Jerusalem that people were being saved by the groves and a church was underway. Guess who they sent? Guess who they sent to the church? Guess who they sent to teach? Guess who they sent to pastor? Guess who they sent there to encourage that group of young believers in Christ? They sent Barnabas. And Barnabas, the Bible says in verse 23, then departed Barnabas to Saul, I mean to Tarsus to seek Saul. After Barnabas had been there a little while, he said, I need an associate. I need somebody to help me teach and organize and and, uh, mature this church. And the Bible says that Barnabas left and went to Tarsus to seek, oh, that guy that they were afraid to receive at Jerusalem. That persecutor. That one that stood by and watched Stephen Stone. That one that everybody's afraid of. That one that they turned away. But Barnabas said, no, sir. I see something in him. I see something that God can use. And that encourager took Saul. And took him to Antioch. And for a year and a half, those two pastored and taught that great church. And initially... That was the beginning of the missionary emphasis around the world. All because of a man who we do not see one sermon mentioned in the word of God. Because of a man who would never get to preach at the Sword of the Lord National Convention. He'd never get a sermon in the Sword of the Lord. But I believe he's a hero of the New Testament. An unsung hero. His name's not in lights down here. But they are up there. He's not educated in the seminary. I wonder... Have you read lately, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners? I would like to influence people for better and not for worse. Have you watched some of the commercials on television lately? I was reading the other day, I don't know. Has anybody ever heard of Britney Spears? She probably is the greatest influence of what not to do in America. If you know what I mean. Yet, our teenagers want to dress like her. 
look like her. A judge recently issued an order taking her kids away from her because she was such a sorry mom. She's a terrible person, a terrible mother. Frequently were bar hopping, party going, rebellious individual. The Los Angeles County Commissioner Stock Gordon ordered Spears to do a number of things in order to maintain 50-50 with her children. Spears was ordered to meet with a drug counselor and she didn't do it. She was ordered to submit to drug testing. She didn't do it. She was ordered enrolled in parenting classes. She didn't do it. She's also required to sign the judge's order again. She didn't. She's a bad example for two little boys. Also to millions. Teenagers. Around the world. Bad company. That influences them to do evil has destroyed many young people's lives. I just wonder. The Bible says that iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Have you sharpened anybody lately? Have you influenced anybody lately to be just a little bit more generous? Or have you one of them that sits with your hands in your pockets going to the bathroom till the bill's paid down at the cafe? Standing around the corner waiting for somebody else to pay. I wonder if you're one of those that's so tight. Going to have to use SDP to get you to find your wallet the next time so you don't squeak. (laughs) I know people that are so tight. When they die, We'll have to screw them into the ground like a corkscrew. And profess to know the one who loved him so much that he gave his only begotten son. Maybe that's where, could I close, where Barnabas got the idea of being sacrificial looking for good not the bad desiring to be an influence I just think maybe our church could stand a lot more biblical Barnabas's